0: Today, we bring you part two of our three-part interview with Jeff McElfresh, head of at t Communications. We'll be discussing topics pertaining to at ts ongoing effort to bring 5G to the masses, as well as the impact the coronavirus pandemic has had on their efforts. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. Towards the end of last year, you launched that, the, the wider range sliver of 5G, the, the one using the low band spectrum. That's the part that essentially gives you the, the nationwide coverage. How far along are you with that deployment? Can you give us a, an update on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, we continue to progress well, even during the pandemic. I've fielded a lot of questions from folks and friends. You know, has this impacted your ability to deploy five G? And I'd say, in most large, in large part, uh, very little. Um, certainly, we're seeing in the cases of uh, where we need to go physically do work on towers. Um and get permits that maybe the permitting office at a local municipality might be closed for business due to the pandemic. But fortunately for us at at and um, about three years ago, when we began investing heavily as we were deploying the first net network, when our technicians went to those cell towers to install the equipment necessary to turn that program up, we went ahead and deployed radios in the spectrum that we would need for 5G in the future, such that we wouldn't have to visit the site again. And in fact, we're able to activate a, uh, a sector on a cell site or a grid of cell sites in a city from a keyboard stroke via software when timing is right and we are ready to go. And we just recently announced um, we're up to 90 markets uh, where we have turned up the, the, the low band 5G signal. As you suggested, and we're well on our way. Uh, We've publicly committed to uh, turning up nationwide coverage um, here towards the end of the summertime. Um, I think right now we're roughly at 120 million pops covered uh, so far, and uh, we'll continue progressing that until we achieve a roughly a 200 million uh, covered subscriber uh, coverage uh, map. And at that point, we've uh, we've got the majority of the major markets and uh, the major geographies covered. And uh, that's when I would say, okay, we now have a nationwide footprint for the low-band uh, uh, low, yeah, low 5G. Um, we've been deploying, however, since uh, late 2018, millimeter wave, the uh, really uh, high-broadband uh, uber fast, um, uh, 5G connectivity. We, we call that 5G plus.
0: I like, yeah, I like to compare that to if, if 5G is your standard freeway of uh, millimeter 5G is sort of the Autobahn, right? It's just supercharged. Yeah. It's much faster. There really isn't a speed limit. Um, all right, well, yeah, let's get to millimeter wave because it's sort of the, the sexier story. Cause it, that's where you get the insane speed. The range is fairly short. Um, yeah you've you've been at this since the end of 2018. so for a while now um, it wasn't available to most people really for the for pretty much all of 2019 um, tell me about like how that's going and, and how the the market rollout has been for millimeter wave.
1: Yeah, quite well. in fact, <clears throat> as you pointed out, millimeter wave is almost like the speed of the autobahn right no speed limit it, it gives you, capacity and performance and latency that's unparalleled and nearly impossible with the mid-band and the low-band spectrum. And that's basically a physics problem. It's not an investment problem. Um, And so far where we've deployed our millimeter wave, we've taken uh, the strategy of working closely with our enterprise customers and providing for enterprise use cases where that kind of bandwidth and performance is greatly needed in order to turn on certain capabilities in factories, um, in high mass transit locations, where we've always been very bullish on the first mover for 5G business creation is gonna occur with partnerships with our enterprise clients and helping activate that technology for them to solve for business challenges and problems that they face, where you need Uh, hyperfast connectivity, you know, think three, four gig uh, throughputs with very low latent performances as you turn on a dark factory, for example, and instead of having the need to deploy millions of sensors um, uh, hardwired through that factory, you're able to do that with millimeter wave because it provides the bandwidth and the latency to do so. That strategy on the millimeter wave is uh, in, in uh, a, a portion of the broader 5G strategy of AT&T. It's not the 5G strategy of AT&T. We are turning up, as we just discussed, our low band and we will add mid band spectrum to our nationwide 5G portfolio. And you know we're, we're seeing speeds today in the 100, 130, in some cases, 200 megabit range with latencies that are better than the broadband I have in my home, that I'm speaking to you at right now. Um, And so the evolution of the technology uh, with 5G to provide for really high-speed broadband access and connectivity is really a journey. And it's begun with 4G, it will continue with 5G, and it will take time as devices come out, as that device ecosystem becomes more prolific. We'll see our 5G subscriber base grow, we'll see 5G traffic grow, But it's not going to be a light switch, uh, Roger. It won't be like an overnight conversion. This is the fifth, I would say, very large technology transition the industry has been through in its history. And in all of these transitions, what we've seen is it it takes uh, takes time for the full ecosystem to develop around it for before a mass of subscribers are on a particular uh, wireless standard.
0: Well, you know, this was 2020 was supposed to be the year that you know 5G really started hit the mainstream. Um, that's that's obviously been shaken up a bit by the pandemic. I'm curious how you think it's going to affect the adoption of 5G. You know, the networks are being rolled out, but you know, we've seen a few devices launch, but stores are shut down, folks are out of work. Are, are people actually? Is there even an appetite for 5G right now?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, the, the fact that you and I are talking about it suggests that there still remains a high degree of interest. And as with anything, it is the next best standard. Um, you know, at and has got 140 years of uh, heritage in developing standards for uh, networking, TCPIP, for example, all the way up to being a very large contributor to all of the wireless standards under the 3GPP uh, forum. 5g is 5g is getting deployed right now um you know we're busy working on okay what's next how do we take the 5g standard to the next evolution standard because it technically takes years once you've defined that standard then the chipsets get developed and then the handset oems and the infrastructure oems test up or or, uh, markup prototypes and then we do interoperability testing, and then you get to your first office application, and then you get to deployments, and then you get heavy capital that goes behind that to turn up the networks and to make the devices mainstream in the marketplace. And so specifically to your question, I mean, we're launching 15 uh, 5G devices uh, this year. Um, We've got the majority of the lineup of our smartphone devices will have 5G capability in them. and I think it will become an automatic in the offering of wireless providers and access to 5G networks like millimeter wave hotspots and gig zones, like we call them, will become components on uh, some of the, the larger unlimited plans that we have available to uh, the subscriber base today.
0: Well, that's a good point there, because right now 5G is, is sort of priced as a premium service. You, you can't really get 5G unless you're on one of the upper tiers and that's that's pretty industry standard at this point like is there something you're doing to make 5g more accessible because it, it seems like this network is and potentially it's a solution for a lot of the problems we discussed earlier right um, so how, how do you get 5g rolled out more broadly and get more people on it especially given the fact that there are you know there are still folks dealing with economic hardships uh, but they there still is the need for reliable broadband service.
1: We've lived through several recessions and crises in the past and technology continues um, and the market responds. And I would say that as scale increases with the number of choices and devices uh, that are available, you will see those be affordable. Um, you know, you should not assume that 5G is an exclusive uh, capability only for the most expensive handsets and only in the most expensive rate plans that uh, service providers offer. Um, I, you know, I I would I would remind um, I remind the team often as we get tons of questions about five G. We were literally deploying the infrastructure, Roger, on our initial launch sites, one of which was down in Waco, Texas. Technically speaking, before the standard had been ratified, we were iterating code for that uh, network and fixing bugs. Uh, with before the, the the standard had been ratified, in a 24-hour agile um, uh, approach to fix things, to test both the device and the uh, the network, and we did that iteration as an industry uh, faster than we've done anything else uh, with 4G and and its variants or 3G. So the speed at which the technology is beginning to make its way into the network is unparalleled. I mean, we are moving at breakneck speeds um, as an industry to do that in comparison to how we've done it in the past. Um, but for consumers and enterprise customers, in order for them to have access to it, they need a rich portfolio of devices and a rich portfolio of services, and they've got to determine how best to use that technology to improve their business and their and their performance, or what they wanna do with the service if you're a consumer. And those models, uh, those capabilities are gonna evolve. Um, We're gonna see some things that we probably don't think about today as what would be a valuable capability that is enabled by 5G that has not been enabled today by 4G, 4G LTE or our 5G evolution network. In terms of getting 5G realized to its full potential, it's more than 5G as we were talking earlier, um, the team can turn up 5G spectrum and radiate a signal on a cell tower anywhere uh, in the US. But if that cell tower is not connected with a very broad pipe of fiber optics, then the performance of that radio and the performance of that spectrum won't feel very 5G-ish. And so the continued investments year after year that AT&T is making, deploying more and more fiber um, to our cell sites and throwing up more spectrum on those cell sites and making that spectrum accessible by the devices that we're offering in the marketplace is the formula to get more speed and more bandwidth to more parts of America.
0: And that brings part two of our three-part interview with Jeff to a close. Tune back in on Saturday where we will wrap things up with a preview of things to come from HBO Max, as well as what's going on with the rest of the at and streaming video world. If you have questions, leave us a voicemail at 862-250-5713. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.